Well, I want to welcome you and uh, mention just a few things before uh, we get into the teaching time. Uh, just, I'm really grateful. We had a great Ash Wednesday service uh, this past Wednesday, and the 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 room in Fellowship Hall was packed with people as we began our preparation into Easter. And I'm excited this week we're going to talk about wisdom in the sense of reflecting, preparing, but staying in that Proverbs series. And then next week we'll be starting a series called um, Passion and Suffering. We'll be actually moving more fully into that whole time. This next Wednesday, I do want to uh, just mention that there is a group that's going to be meeting here at church, and we're inviting people to it. It is called um, New Life Family Services, and we would love for you to have the opportunity of what they're doing. They'll be meeting in one of the rooms down here uh, that you can look for uh, and see as you kind of come in um, that Wednesday night. But please join us at 6.30, and what we partner with New Life Ministry is to honor the sanctity of human life by assisting people in, in life-affirming um, decisions with regard to what that means in their life from all ages in all ways. So um, we'd love for you to be a part of that. I would also then just like for you to take a moment um, and think about the things you value, what you find really worthwhile, and then what maybe price you might put on something. I saw this... uh, in the antique roadshow little clip, and I thought I would share that with you. So it was 1997, and there we were in Secaucus, New Jersey. And it's the last place that I would expect to see what we what we saw upside down on a cart being rolled in by a lady, a school teacher from New Jersey named Claire. I went to a garage sale. How long ago was this? This was about 30 years ago. As we moved into our new house, I needed a diminutive table. And I thought, I think I know the shape and size. She had gone it one day when she was antiquing with a friend. The friend actually said, you know, don't buy that. It's, It's so wobbly it won't hold the lamp. So she was actually considering not buying it. When I saw this out in the yard... I thought, this is a great thing. It was pitch black. It was a moldy mess. And the lady was asking $30. So $30. I said, but I only have 25 I said, that's all I have. She said, you can you can have it for 25 And I took it. What you brought in today here is a federal inlaid mahogany demi-lune card table made by John and Thomas Seymour, very distinguished cabinet makers who made some of the most distinguished and fine furniture for the very wealthiest families in Boston at the time. We're very fortunate, you are in fact, to yes. have the actual label yes. of John Seymour and Son. There it was. John Seymour and Son, Creek Square, Boston. And that's all we needed to see. Oh my God, we just we just looked at each other. We just couldn't believe it. Here we are with an absolute masterpiece. I mean, one of the greatest pieces of federal furniture I've ever seen. Okay, what would you what would you think it was worth? Ten grand, hundred thirty thousand. You are all wrong. <laughs> Do you have an idea of what it's worth? Or have you gotten some idea? 
Oh, probably twenty thousand. Now I just said just that. Yeah. I think the estimate that we're going to give you is is going to top that. Oh yes. I, I I think Les and I both feel that this piece in the open marketplace on a, on, on a good day would be in the range of about two hundred to two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Wow. Okay. Now twenty-five thousand. Now I want to say that on a very down? on a very good day with oh. everything in place, it has the possibility of bringing. Three hundred thousand. I don't want to get your hopes up that much, but two twenty-five isn't bad, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. I was gonna give her. I gave her twenty-five bucks. Actually, actually went in a in the auction for five hundred forty-one thousand dollars. So all of you antique hunters, don't give up. So what do you think? What do you think the word of God is worth? And not maybe even by your own estimate. Obviously by a man named Solomon, who was one of the wisest men in the world, in history. But really from God himself, as he reveals this to us in his word. Listen to this in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 35. And I want you to think about this as we are going into Lent. One of the things Lent is um, calling us to do is to kind of give up our wisdom and the ways we think things should work and to actually humbly receive and accept God's wisdom that comes from his word. So if you read verse 13 of Proverbs 3, it says, Blessed is the person who finds wisdom. The one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver. And her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Joyful is the person. Or blessed is the person who finds wisdom. The one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver. And her wages are better than gold. Think about that for a second. As you, as you listen to that. He goes on and he says, She offers you long life in her right hand. And riches and honor in her left. And she will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. And then he says, wisdom is a tree of life, which is a word that's used often, tree of life, even from Genesis and even to the end. It's this idea that it, from this comes all things that generate energy for living, not just for length of years, eternally, but eternally in the sense of quality of life. She will glide you in delightful paths and in all her ways are satisfying. And then... The author says, by wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. By understanding, he created the heavens. And by his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth. And dew settles beneath the night sky. So the first thing you see when you read these these verses, which are found from 13 through 20 of chapter 3. We're going to go to the end of 35, uh, verse 35. Is this, how much, as you read it, the question arises, how much is God's word... Now, I'm not just speaking of the Bible. I'm speaking, as I've talked before, about this interactive relationship you have with God so that you're walking with God as you read his word and his word begins to to reach into your life. And as you have this interactive relationship, as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, when that word that God gives you 
as you're seeking wisdom in a particular situation, how much is that worth to you? How much is that worth to you? The NIV says, blessed are those who find wisdom. And then it goes on to say all those things in comparison of what it's worth. Blessed simply means you will experience God's favor and smile on your life. It is not a promise that you will live a trouble-free life. So when the word blessed is used here, it doesn't mean that you will experience hardship. It doesn't mean that you won't come across difficulties in your life. Because those very things that come into your life are those very things that God will use to cause you to humbly depend on him and to seek him. So that you will in your heart treasure his wisdom in this situation more than your own possible reactive response to it. And so he makes this statement, blessed. Nothing will measure up. Remember I said this interactive relationship, I've said often, um, and, and you might go, well, what is an interactive relationship? It's found in Proverbs 1.7. It's found all through Proverbs. It's the fear of the Lord. The foundation of all wisdom, the beginning of all wisdom, is the fear of the Lord. Not that you're afraid of God, but this idea of reverence, that you can be in a relationship with someone who is far greater than you, loves you far more than you could ever know, and is yet more willing than anyone you know to tell you what is true even if it hurts, in order to get you on a path where you will be able to experience him. Because you know best. We've been saying this week after week, and I'm going to continue to say it, and I like the idea of interactive relationship. It's the same thing as talking about a personal relationship with God. Some of you may be more familiar with this, but because that's become so generic and so... Um, become so normal that people don't actually understand that anymore. The idea of interactive is you know best the things you interact with, right? So some of you as parents or grandparents, you know well your child and your grandchild. Probably, you better, better than me, right? I don't know the uniqueness of your little grandchild or your child's smile, I don't know what it, what it means for you to cuddle up and to feel that child cuddle up next to you. I don't know in this sense, not only that, but when your child says those unique, cute little things that only you can really translate. And that's because you know that child best because you interact with that child. Here's the key. Wisdom cannot be compared to anything else, even the most um, expensive item that you could think of. Because it is God interacting with you throughout your life. And there's nothing, there's nothing that compares to that. So if you look at the value as we look at the scripture of how God, what he places on wisdom himself, even God used wisdom to construct the universe. Listen to Proverbs 3, 19 and 20. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens place. And his knowledge, the victory, the, the, the watery depths were divided and, and the clouds let drop the dew. God said, Wisdom will be actually the one who constructs it. And often in Proverbs, when you hear the word wisdom, it is a a way of of symbolizing who Jesus is. It's, It's wisdom in this sense. If you were to put a person's name to it, it's Jesus. So in creation, the Father God with Jesus and the Holy Spirit used 
this wisdom of Christ, this relationship you can have with Jesus. Doesn't it make sense? Doesn't it just make sense to construct your entire life around him and his word and to get to know him so well? To interact with him in a way that you will know him in your life in a way that I don't know him. And so that's kind of what the first thing it asks. It says, nothing compares to wisdom, so he says, treasure it beyond anything else in this world. More prized than gold and gems. Better returns than the best investment you can make in the stock market. And I know real estate is great right now, great investment if you can find, you right? But even greater than that is wisdom. I am often when I think about this, and one of the ways I want you to think about this as well is because um, in the Ten Commandments, there is these um, statements, and I call the Ten Commandments just ten rules for good community life. You've heard me say that before, right? They're just they're what I remember the dummy series. These, this is basically community rules for dummies. I mean, if you want to have good, healthy community, basically they say honor others, don't murder, don't take other people's spouses. Don't steal, don't lie, don't let your desires covet in such a sense that it will destroy community. But before all the community rules, there's a rules that are given prior to that. In fact, the very first one, it just says this. You shall have no other God before me. That should be, if God is giving it, a statement of wisdom. When you take it in comparison to this whole idea, well, how do you value this interactive relationship with God where you're getting to know him and he has the ability through your life to speak into your life as you pray and depend on him to begin to move in your life and to make um, himself available to you no matter what situation you're in. Not, it doesn't have to be and shouldn't be just in the hard times, but God is so gracious and so good that he'll meet us because we all have this tendency to want to grab the wheel and drive again, right? But if you've never let God drive the wheel of your life, so to speak, take the, the, the steering wheel and begin to guide you, the great call is to recognize that there is no better who can, person who can drive it. So when you come to this very first commandment, the very first thing is it says, don't have other gods before me. That is something you should value. And you go, why would God put that first? I mean, in some ways, you kind of go, why, why is, is God... Um, insecure? Is, is God in some ways some kind of megalomaniac who just needs everybody? To, I, mean, I remember when I was really just processing this first commandment and, and, and until it came to me this deep understanding that out of love God gives this command because he knows this that when life becomes difficult When push comes to shove in situations in your life, when your life begins to fall apart, when a pandemic enters into the world, when you find not only just racial tension, but this kind of hatred and and just indiscriminate violence occurring, when you have a madman who invades and then begins to destroy the lives and cities of people, When everything is heading south in a negative direction in your life, what God says is that only, and this is all out of love, only can he come through for you. Think about that. That's the reason why he says, I want you to put me first. 
Because if you build your life on me, you'll find out that in certain situations, it'll come to be true that if you place me as the foundation of your life and on that foundation and that interaction relationship with me, I will be in a position to come and to help steer you through even some of the most painful situations. There is this reality that in your darkest hour, when the doctor says it's untreatable cancer, what often we might value above God, like money, or ingenuity, or our status, none of those things cut it when you hear those words. Because God knows this. He says, only God has the love to hold you in his arms and the wisdom to support you even in the face of that. When you get the note that someone, maybe you get the note, she's leaving you, or you find a clue that it makes um, it obvious that they haven't been with you, and you get that kind of rejection, diamonds, gems, Luxurious homes, a really good paying job. They just don't come through for you in those times. And God out of love says only he, through his love and understanding, can hold you in the face of such pain and rejection. When you get that notice that says, um, thanks but no thanks, you see the mundaneness of your life on social media, Right? Man, it doesn't compare to anybody else's. When the ache of loneliness pulsates through your heart, only God's presence and his love can come through for you and be with you in those moments. And so he says very clearly, there is nothing of greater value than the interactive relationship that lives with God in such a way that his presence is with you. Build your life on that. Nothing protects like wisdom, he says. So not only nothing treasures like it, so and nothing, nothing um, um, blesses you like it, and so treasure it, but nothing protects like, like wisdom. That's what he goes on to say in verses 21 through 26. So he, the words here are grab hold of it. Proverbs 3.21 says, If you walk with God and allow his wisdom to guide you, if you pursue God and you're seeking to live by his word and according to his way, he makes a statement, then relax, trust, just grab hold of the promise of God, this God who you said you were going to grab onto. Grab onto him again, because in this time, he will, he will protect you. Proverbs 3.21 says, My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment, but hang on to them. This idea of um, don't let it out of your, 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 your line of vision. Walk always with your mind's eye on these promises that I'm going to read to you in a moment. Basically, live mindfully of this truth. Proverbs 3, 22 through 25. If you read in the message, it says this, and I like the way the message puts it. They'll keep your soul alive and well. They'll keep you fit and attractive. You'll travel safely. You'll neither tire nor trip. You'll take afternoon naps without a worry. You'll enjoy a good night's sleep. No need to panic over alarms or surprises or predictions that doomsday is just around the corner. Now you kind of look at that and go, really? With all that's going on? 
I mean, we're, we're called to value this and to treasure it, and yet he goes on to say, not only that, grab hold of it, let your mind fully live with this in your in your thinking. These were basically, um, as you read those words, they force you to ask the question. And as I was studying this, it forced me to ask the question, um, would you like to live without fear? Now, I'm not advocating you never experience fear. I think this passage of scripture is saying, I want to teach you how to live a life where fear, the light of fear is not always on in your life. Anybody have that feeling? Anybody? It's a constant trip where fear is on? Now, fear is a really good thing. If you think about your car, you have a, 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 um, in front of you, you have a number of these dials or now electronically you have all these things. And what will happen is they have what they call indicator lights, right? So at the dashboard of your car, as you look at it, there's the opportunity at times that the indicator light will go on. Sometimes it will go on and it will say, your engine is running hot. Well, that should strike a little bit of warning, right? It's, it's, it, the indicator light is there to get you to wake up to something going on in your car. Or you may have another indicator light on that, that is, that, you know, that you need oil. Hopefully you don't get to that point, right? The other day, I, in, and I got a car, 2016, and I was so impressed because one of the things I don't do well is observe little things. And I, Looked at my car. I had no idea that my tire was low. Anybody have that same problem? Okay. So I'm, I'm getting, I get in my car. Do you know they have indicator lights now in these newer cars that tell you that your tire is, they'll show you all four tires and what their inflation level is? What an incredible thing. Now, I could make it, you know, have a choice that I could just disregard that. But that fear is a good fear. God wired those kind of things into our heart. We're supposed to pay attention. When someone crosses a boundary, a physical boundary that you know isn't right, that indicator light goes on and it's your opportunity to say, hey, no. We have other indicator lights of fear that go on in relationships. When someone's lying to you, you have the opportunity when you begin to see that to say no. There's indicator lights that fear is a good thing. It goes off for a moment. If you're living financially and you're not taking care of of, of your own financial debts, an indicator light of fear will go on. And God, in all wisdom, says, I want you to value my word, because that's God's little indicator light going on in your body, saying, pay attention to your body, pay attention to what's going on in your mind, because I want you to know that I have created you, and I interact with you in such a way that I want to protect you. That's what this passage is kind of saying. But here's what I want you to recognize. When I was reading this, It's more than that. It's this idea that if you live your life in an interactive relationship with God and pay attention to what God is doing through his word and his counsel, as you pay attention to the way God has wired you so that you can be aware and you can live in in response to how his Holy Spirit's guiding you, as you live this life with him, what, what, what I found interesting is these words. He says, you, you can, you can take afternoon naps without a worry. You enjoy a good night's sleep. How many of you, how many of you have like fear going off in your head in the middle of the night? Be really honest. Raise your hand. I'll raise both mine because it happens quite often for me. 
You guys are liars. Often in the middle of the night, when we're trying to sleep or you wake up, you have these kind of thoughts and you're just, they can actually cripple you. Some people get panic attacks over it. And he's saying, no, you can go down and take a nap and relax. You can go to bed at night and not have to worry. There's no need to panic over alarms. You don't have to live with the, with the indicator light of fear. Not just a light, but the actual sense of fear ruling your body day in and day out. Even with what's happening in Ukraine. Part of Lent is stopping and saying, God, okay... I recognize as I prepare myself for this life that you've told us about through the death and resurrection of Jesus, part of Lent is this opportunity just to stop and and say, God, am I living according to your wisdom? And one of the things he says in wisdom is, I do not want your child to live in a constant state of fear. It doesn't do any good for you from the adrenaline that drips into your body. It actually, studies will show, it creates illness. It actually impacts your relational level of intimacy and connection with people. It puts you in a state where when things happen, you're probably more reactive than you are able to just stop and think and respond. So I was so excited about this, and I was really writing this down and and going, wow, this would be so good. I just can't wait to talk to our people that you don't have to live with this indicator light of fear on, and you don't have to let it rule your life. You don't have to, you can go to bed at night and sleep well. You can, you know, some of you, you know, as you get older, going to sleep is another issue. But anyway, I can take a nap and not have to worry. I can live this life not always going, is the shoe going to drop? That is the promise of God to you when he says in his word that if you build your life on the foundation of God, put him first, if you begin to seek him and, and get to know him, as you begin to live getting to know him, doesn't mean you won't have trouble through your life, but, it, but as you go through life and difficulties occur, you have the opportunity to believe this truth. God loves you more than you do. And I'm not saying there won't be difficult things that come into your life, but you have the ability to live with the presence of God. So for me, I get done, I'm so excited, but I write this thing down and, and I get a phone, I get a text, that's what it was. A text, and, and I said to this person, I was gonna use this illustration, and I get a text from someone on staff that says, did you know that so-and-so on staff has gotten asked to be doing some work in another larger church in the area? And, uh, I, I, I was just saying. So, Taylor was asked this, to go, and I'm going, oh no, we're just getting our staff together, everything inside me. This was honestly, right after I wrote this, text goes, and I'm going, this is real. What am I going to do with this? And it was such a, here's the good thing about it. I called Taylor and said, you're going nowhere. No. Now, he's promised me 20 years. Anyway, um, here's, the, here's the cool thing about it. I was forced to have to live with allowing God's wisdom, which were called to treasure and then called to grab hold of, to begin to rule my thoughts. 
Do you know that you and every one of us have a loop of thoughts that are, that are based around some basic insecurity? And when that gets touched, it sets that, it's like, how many of you remember like little train sets that kids have, right? They're the most boring things in the world, are they not? Unless they're really complex, but they're usually just to go like this, right? Around and around until the kid hits it like a billion times, right? Be like a kid. That loop that's going around in your head that's creating fear, knock it off the track. And how you knock it off the track is you grab hold of this truth. God loves you. He will care for you. He will take care of you. No matter what is going to happen, he is with you. He is present for you. And and here's neurologically what's happening is you have neural pathways that will create this sense of fear. And not only fear, it'll create depression. Not only that, you'll feel even suicidal. All kinds of things can happen in your head because this loop goes around and around. And Jesus says, I have wanted to come in to your situation and I want to take hold of your mind and I want you to know, I want you to hear it. I want you to more than hear it right now. Jesus is with you. You have to grab hold of it and say, I believe this to be more important than the fear I'm facing. And, and here's the promise of God. But what makes this so difficult, what made it so difficult for me, and I'm so, now I'm glad God did that because it made me have to really dig into this truth. It is not natural. My natural response is not like the little kid who knocks it off the track. My natural response is to let it keep going and going and going around in my mind. And God loves you so much. He wants you to knock off with the truth of who he is and what he says in his word, those pathways that loop again and again in your life. He wants you. What? You, big word of sanctification, you know what it really means? It means allowing those pathways in your life to become more governed by God than governed by your fears. And it's not up to you. You can't will this. Here's the thing that's really interesting about the word of God. is you study the word of God, you can say, God, help me do this, and then with that, step into it. And it won't be easy. Stepping into your fears is, is one of the most difficult things I think you can do. Okay. That's probably enough on that. So here is the truth of God's word. He wants you to know this. He wants you to live in this. He wants you to recognize that nothing compares to wisdom. So if you really want to live according to his word in an interactive relationship with him, treasure it with everything in your being. And then when it comes to this truth that he wants you to live in, it is nothing protects like wisdom. So by the grace of God, call out and start beginning these new pathways. And then the last part here that I want you to just recognize. I should say in verse 26, here's, he says, don't fear, sleep well. Remember when life happens, don't panic. Here's verse 26, because God will be right there with you. He'll keep you safe and sound. And the last is this, nothing transforms like wisdom. So let it, let it transform you. I've asked the team, we're going to come up right now and we're going to move into communion. Here's the actual words. It's this, it's this um, call on verses uh, 27 through 35 to make choices differently than you were 
to begin to say, not only um, is this uncomparable, so I'll treasure it, not only is it a protect, so I'll grab hold of it, but now what I'm going to do, I'm going to make a choice because of how important wisdom is and how transforming it can be in my life. I'm going to let it do that work. And, and here's what he says. He, he goes on and he says, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Your loop might be, I'm just too busy. And God says, no, 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 I want to break that loop. I want you to step into that. Because when you obey, you start a new loop. So he goes out and he says, don't tell your neighbor maybe some other time or try me tomorrow when the money's right there in my pocket. Don't figure ways of taking advantage of your neighbor when he's sitting there trusting and unsuspecting. Do what you know is right. He's just giving examples here. He goes on and he says, wisdom not only does this, it actually looks closely at themselves. It examines himself, which we're going to do in communion. Don't walk around with a chip on your shoulder always spoiling for a fight. Don't try to be like the other, those who shoulder their way through life. Why be a bully? Don't, don't use your position at work or wherever to intimidate people. There is a way God wants you to do it. Why not, you say, because God can't stand twisted souls. It's the straightforward who get his respect. And then it ends with these words that if you want to live under the, the reward of God, recognize God curse, blights the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He gives proud skeptics a cold shoulder. But if you're down on your luck, he's right there to help. Wise living gets rewarded with honor. Stupid living <laughs> gets the booby prize. That's the message. So I'm going to ask you to take your communion cups that you have. And if you didn't get one, please go and get one. I'm going to ask you to reflect right now. Uh, I've said a lot of things, but it may be that the Holy Spirit has said just one thing to you. And I want you to think about in your life, where? Where in your life do you need to say, God, I recognize this truth that nothing compares to your wisdom. And where do you say, God, I, I want to treasure that? I, I want to make a commitment this morning to treasure that. Where are you possibly in your life where you're feeling fear and the indicator light of fear continues to be on? It could be around your children, your family, your work. It could be your health. Where is an indicator light on? Where God says, no matter what happens, I'll be present with you. I will never, ever forsake you. I'll never leave you. So just grab hold of this truth and allow the new loop of transformation to take place. Let it happen in your life. Communion is this truth. That the body and blood of Jesus was shed on the cross for you. God did the most dramatic thing that anyone could ever imagine. A God who is holy, perfect would send his son who is holy, perfect and he would live this perfect life and his perfect life would be such that he would allow anyone, in fact, the people who rushed to his presence were people who were humble, broken, needed healing and probably in a position where you might be right now. And I just say to you here in person and online, if you are in a place in this moment where you are broken and you know you need God, 
Or you could be in a situation where God has spoken to you and said, you know what, I don't want you to be ruled by this fear. There is the opportunity you can get this indicator light off by just beginning to grab hold of. And you you won't do it well right away because building a new loop takes time. But in time, you say, God, be my strength, help me. Grace means this. Not just it's a free gift, but it's the empowering presence of God. Invite the grace of God right now into your life. Jesus did not say you had to be perfect to come to the cross. In fact, you just needed to be one who admitted your need of him. And so when we take this communion in a moment, I want you to just take a moment, think about this, and then we'll eat and drink the gift of God's life for you. So here's one little thing you need to know to open these things. You got to bend it down until you hear a click. And then it makes it easy to get into this first, well, easier. (laughs) God loves you. His desire is to be with you. Let's pray. For your eyes, maybe you want to place your eyes in your mind's eye. This idea of living mind fully means that your mind is full of this truth of God for you. Which right now might be just the fact that he says, I forgive you. Yeah, I forgive you. I know that you blew it again. Maybe last night. Came in late. You were a mess. And and you somehow decided you'd come this morning. Or you're there in your living room or bedroom, whatever it is. And you're listening. And God's not standing over you with the club. He's standing over you with his arms stretched open and saying, guess what? I died for you, a sinner, even though you sinned again. It's not about your ability to do this. It's it's only about your ability that you will trust my love. Hear this as you just pray right now. It is not about how much you love God. It's really important to want to grow in love for God. It's not even about how much you love God. It's all about how much he loves you and that you will trust that. And that trust will begin to build love in your heart. If you take out this wafer, if you're at home and you've got a piece of bread, some juice or whatever you want, I ask you to take it with me. And if you even were just to take this this wafer we have in here and you break it, you can hear even the breaking of it, that this was the breaking of of the body of Jesus, the expression of God's love for you. Would you take and eat it and receive it as his gift? I realize as we are about to drink this cup, which is, represents his blood, it is the blood that has life. It is the blood that cleanses. It's the blood that heals. It's the blood that recreates in your body again and again the ability to live. So when you think of this, you are actually saying, God My food is Jesus. My drink that will cleanse me and give me life is not what I can do. It's not what I could 
in some way perform for you. It is merely the fact that I am trusting that your blood, which was shed for me and shed into my heart, is giving me life. Life that is both eternal in length and life that is eternal in quality. So in this minute, in this situation, you may feel filled with sin. You may feel that your life is not valuable or worthy, but God says you are so worthy. I would never, ever have gone to the cross if it wasn't for this statement that you, you are are valuable to me. You are worth more than gold and silver to me. And for some of you who are in this moment and it's merely about this area that God is working in your life and that you know this fear is in your heart and your life and merely when you take this now it's you're saying I recognize as I depend on you as I feed upon you as I drink upon you God and as I let my mind begin to dwell on you and allow you to begin to work into my life I realize I know for a fact that you will deal with this you will make me whole it may take some time but God I trust you I trust you I trust you so if you would take this cup and drink it and receive it for it is the expression of his love for you in the new covenant that his promise is greater than any promise you've ever broken so receive it as a gift and drink this together